Welcome to the Terry and Jesse Show. We have Bishop Athanasius Schneider joining us. He's one of the most foremost defenders of the Catholic faith today. He is a prolific author, and he is the Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Mary's in Astana, Kazakhstan, Chairman of the Liturgical Commission and Secretary General, wow, of the Conference of Catholic Bishops there. Bishop Snyder, welcome to our second segment on your wonderful book, The Catholic Mass. You're welcome. Well, we are excited about it. Bishop, I just have to say this. I have been studying the Mass since I was 15 years old. Once I understood that it was a reenactment of Calvary, and we are present at that one eternal sacrifice. I went to daily Mass for 50-some years now. I'm 65 years old. And I believe that when people understand what takes place at the Mass, they'll fall in love with Jesus Christ in a very powerful way. And that's why I'm excited about your book. They came in, and we're going to promote it. And what we're doing, folks, for those who didn't hear the first segment, uh, the first show, uh, you can go to vmpr.org and listen to it. We're going to take the next 100 pages of his book and talk about the beauty of the Mass, because when we only have, you know, maybe 12% of the people in America going to Mass, even on Sunday, uh, hello, is this microphone on? There's something wrong. And this book, I believe, will do what, are you ready, folks? Back in 1978, when I was 20 years old, Bishop Sheen's Life is Worth Living, his teaching series, millions of these have gone out through Lighthouse Catholic Media throughout the world, and I was a big promoter of that. Well, I want to promote, you know, I've had Dr. Scott Hahn for Rome Sweet Homes, all of his stuff we've promoted. Well, my next big thing in my life, at the end of my life, is promoting, again, the Mass. And the book is The Catholic Mass, put out by Sophia Press, and you can pick it up even by just calling us at 877-526-2151 or go directly to the publisher, Sophia Press. They're a wonderful publishing house. Bishop uh, Snyder, there was one question that we didn't get to last week, and I think it's a very important one. Uh, on page 189, this is, a, a, this is on all the sacraments, but the, books, you books, the book says, you say that each time we participate in Holy Mass, the sacrifice of the Holy Mass, the Church receives new strength and supernatural life. I truly believe that, but explain why that is. Yes, because all our life, all the graces, and it come from the cross of Christ, from the sacrifice of the cross. This is the source of all supernatural life for us, for humankind, and for the church in the first place. As we can read this in the Gospel of John, uh, when Jesus, was, uh, Jesus died on the cross, mm -hmm. the soldier came, and uh, opened his side. Uh, and from his open heart were flowing out the streams of uh, blood and water. And these are the signs, the symbols of the true life, the sacraments and the graces which are flowing from the pierced heart of Christ on the cross. And this is uh, happening exactly in the Holy Mass, in the manner of the sacrament, but really. And the Holy Mass is opening, it, in the Holy Mass is really Christ present, really, substantially, and with his open heart, and mystically, but really, are flowing out these um, streams of blood 
and water to the entire humanity. And it is upon us to receive these uh, graces, uh, these waters of graces. And therefore, this is our true life. They have to come. But unfortunately, so many people do not know what is really the Holy Mass. And some uh, who are even present at the Holy Mass, they don't open their hearts because God is not forcing us with his graces. It depends on our heart to open us. But of course, objectively also, with every um, sacramental realization of the sacrifice of the cross, God is pouring out many graces for the entire church, which is always also the heavenly church. And these graces means for the angels and the saints and Our Lady, simply the joy in the salvation. And then especially the suffering church in the purgatory, they need so much these graces of the sacrifice of the cross of the Holy Mass. Because as it is written in all the scriptures and Paul is writing, every time, every time, every time, when we are celebrating this mystery of the body and blood of Christ, we, of his death, we are pro proclaiming his death and it is present. And therefore, it is really, um, it doesn't matter if the Holy Mass is celebrated, let us say, once a week or every day, or even not only once a day, but in so many places, every minute, every instant in the entire globus because of the time differences. And therefore it is so important that every priest celebrates personally and, and realizes this sacrament of the cross here and now, because there is pouring out new um, graces of the cross for the church, especially for the suffering church in the purgatory and for our militant church here on earth. Wow. <laughs> you know, Bishop Snyder, what you just said is the traditional teaching on the Mass, but I have to tell you, not only lay people haven't heard that, I have friends that are priests who don't understand that, and on their days off, they don't say Mass because they don't think it's a big deal. They haven't been taught. That's why I'm excited to have this conversation. And by the way, everybody, have the 30 Masses, the Gregorian, Gregorian Masses said for your departed loved one, uh, Bishop Schneider just gave a great explanation on, on, the, on the souls in purgatory and what the Mass will do for them. Wow, thank you, Bishop Schneider. Question number uh, is on page 101 of your book. And this got me excited because I don't hear this very often, where St. John Chrysostom said that the Holy Mass represents the beauty of heaven on earth. He calls the building of the church a place of angels <laughs> and a place of archangels, a place of God, heaven itself. So I'm getting the impression that maybe, well, I've been taught this all my life, but I don't know if people have been taught that when we go to Mass, we're having a taste of heaven. Can you explain more of what the uh, saint is saying and what you have in your book about what happens at Mass? Yes, because 
we return again what is the Holy Mass. It yeah. is the sacramental presence of the sacrifice of Golgotha. Mm -hmm. And this greatest act in the entire history, the sacrifice on the cross, of the cross, which was a divine human act because Jesus Christ in his human nature, he accomplished, of course, the suffering and the death, but he was inseparably, undividedly united always with his with divine nature and with the second person of the most holy trinity. Amen. And therefore, the act of the cross, the suffering, the death, was um, uh, attributed, so to say, to the second divine person. Therefore, it has a, an immense value. Immense. Uh, you cannot express this. And therefore, in this act, of course, was pre were present the angels, as uh, in the Holy Scripture says, they accompanied our Lord all his life mm -hmm. since the Annunciation until his ascension into heaven. And Our Lady, she was beneath the cross and of course the angels also. And with his death on the cross, he opened humanity, the gates of heaven. Uh, ultimately with his ascension into heaven, but also on the cross. And the Holy Mass is at the same time the heavenly sacrifice, as the Holy Scripture says in the letter to the Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the priest for all eternity, our high priest, our heavenly priest, who is now in heaven as a priest. Mm -hmm interceding for us constantly. So this is the Holy Mass also. When Christ as the Lamp of God in the heavenly Jerusalem is showing to the Most Holy Trinity his wounds and his sacrifice. And therefore, in this sense, every Holy Mass is opening us heaven because Christ, our heavenly High priest is present, and with him, the entire uh, triumphant church and the holy angels. Wow, Bishop, this is awesome material. It's all in your book called The Catholic Mass. Folks, go to Sophia Press and pick it up. It's Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God to the Liturgy. And, and this is the question I had from last week when we did it. When we come back, I want to ask you uh, the question about the Mass and... Um, I want to ask you how modern man has given into the temptation to adapt religion to man rather than what the church has always driven to do, adapt man to religion. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. hope you're getting catechized like I am about the most important thing, the source and summit, the mass. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back. We have our special guest, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, his new book, The Catholic Mass, Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. What you just heard in the first segment 
I wish everyone heard that as a Catholic because our churches would be packed if they really understand what I call the vertical aspect of the Mass. Not the horizontal man, but the vertical. What is? We have a taste of heaven every time we go to, to Mass. Sign me up. What I just want to say to our folks is that these questions I'm asking are right from his book, and I want people to get it either from Sophia Press or call us at 877-526-215, and I got a boatload of the books because I'm going to be promoting this book for the rest of my life because I know the Mass is the source and summit of the Christian life, but are we communicating that to the flock? I don't think so when maybe 15% of the Catholics show up for Mass. Bishop Snyder, when I say I'm too blessed to be stressed, I'm too anointed to be disappointed, and if hope was money, I'd be a billionaire. I'm going to say the first time, why am I? Because I know the person of Jesus Christ, and I know what the Mass is. And I want everybody in the world to know what the Mass is, because I'm convinced that their love for Jesus Christ will be intense when you understand what takes place at a Catholic Mass. I mentioned this from last week when we did this interview that you, modern man has, has um, given in to the temptation to adapt religion to man rather than the church has always striven to do it, to adapt man to religion. Can you explain? Because I kind of alluded to the aspect that we forgot about, I mean, we're, we're forgetting about the, God, the centrality of God, in my humble opinion, when we go to Mass and think it's just some kind of gathering of people to sing some songs uh, maybe even read some scripture, but we forget about the supernatural. So tell me, what actually, uh, what's that temptation, and tell us how we can avoid it. Yes, the greatest and deepest tempta- temptation yes. of of humankind and human persons mm-hmm. was and is yes. to to put God uh, on the second uh, uh, place and to put yourself at the first place. So this was already uh, the sin of Adam and Eve. So they put themselves uh, at the center and decided. And so not to take a serious God. So this is the core of every sin. And the more uh, people and humankind is not taking it serious God and, and therefore not uh, giving him honor and obeying him and loving him, the more the humankind and human people will immerse in darkness, in unhappiness, and then in death, ultimately. And therefore we have to restore again the, the primacy of God of his holy will, of his wise will. And this is also the uh, uh, attitude of humility. It is connected, humility. It is to really to realize the reality that we are creatures and God is God. Uh, He alone is the, as we say in the prayer of the Gloria, he alone is holy. He alone is great. He alone is the highest. It is the Holy Trinity, but concretely Jesus Christ, as we say in the prayer, and he reveals his greatness in holiness in his sacrifice on the cross because it is immense divine love. Therefore, it is the greatest. And so 
humility gives us the real wisdom, which we so much need, the wisdom. And uh, without humility, without wisdom, we cannot worship in a right manner. When there is lacking humility, the fear of God, then is lacking wisdom, and then our worship is, um, has defects, is defective. And so this is our task always again, to convert. Conversion means to give God honor and to take him at serious, to give him the first place. To convert yourself is to recognize what you are. We are creatures, but of course we are also beloved children of God, but because of this, humility, love, fear of God, reverence, awe, wisdom, this is all connected. And the, when there is lacking this fundamental attitude of giving God the first place, then there is no wisdom, there is no true worship. Well said. Uh, this, this question follows up with that. On page 106, you say the Catholic faith in a liturgy has an explicitly incarnational character. So we got to explain incarnational character, and which is why the Catholic art. Now this is very important today because of modern churches don't cover this. That why modern uh, Catholic art in sacred buildings must also express the character uh, of what you said about the sacredness. So please explain that. Yes. Uh, because the core, the center of <clears throat> Christianity is the incarnation of God. <clears throat> this is <clears throat> the greatest miracle. And uh, the sinners, the sinner has the tendency of sinners is to go away from God. They don't want to see God. <clears throat> they don't want to have God close, so close. And therefore, it is uncomfortable for, for humanity to have God so close, so visible, you can touch him. And these uh, demands, of course, our conversion, another attitude, when God is so close to us, when God is visible, then we have to behave in another way. We have to behave reverently, lovingly, and, and so, this is the, since God became man, this is his law to save us, to give us graces. It is the, the law and the way of incarnation. And therefore, this is the incarnational way and method of God. And this is really the mark of the true church of God in all her uh, manifestations and especially in the greatest and essential manifestations of the life of church are the sacraments, the liturgy. Therefore, the sacraments, the liturgy, they must, uh, they have of course uh, these incarnational characters and they must show these. And therefore when a style of liturgy is diminishing the incarnational characteristic. It means the visible, the signs, uh, the, the gestures, all the other 
even material uh, aspects of the uh, of the liturgy, then when this is diminishing, then it is not a true Christian a Catholic worship. And the first attack against this incarnational way which God gave us were the heretics in the in the first centuries were the Gnostics who established the way straight away only the spiritual without incarnation, without visible signs. And in another way, it came again in the 16th century with Martin Luther and the so-called Protestant Reformation, which took up partly the Gnostic way to diminish uh, really the incarnational method of God and the, and the exterior signs which God is binding the salvation to the exterior signs of the sacraments. And as we know, to the water of baptism and of course to the bread and wine of the Holy Eucharist, which makes present the sacrifice of Golgotha and gives us really the participation in the immolated body and blood of Christ of our God and the deepest and closest union with God in the Eucharist. And so uh, this is the surest way of God, the incarnational way. And today, in our day, we are suffering since decades, since the Vatican Council, uh, attack on the incarnational method, on the incarnational characteristics of the liturgy. So it is more the, the reformed liturgy after the council is more characterized on the word, so it is a spiritual only, and diminished even the beauty and the importance of art, beauty, and a reverent expression, a sacredness of the liturgy. Of course, this is the exterior signs are interiorly connected to the spiritual reality which is happening there, our salvation. And so we have to restore again the beauty of the incarnational way of God in, in order to grasp deeper the spiritual meaning. So this is very important and this brings us closer to God and therefore we have to, to restore this as God had chosen this way, we have to follow this way of incarnation. Bishop Schneider, I have to say, many of our listeners are going, well, I even, I've not experienced that uh, in my life. As a teenager, I would go to a retreat, and the priest would only wear gym shorts, a stole, no shirt, and we would have mass. And I remember going, something's wrong here. And I can you know, say all kinds of stories after 42 years across in the country going into thousands of churches that I have gone in 42 years. And it's just, it's an abuse, a liturgical abuse is massive. And so when you speak so beautifully about the Mass, this is what I'm talking about, restoring what you're saying we need, because people aren't going to go to be entertained. They, you can't, the entertainment industry can entertain you much better at a football game or sporting event or some other movie. We have the real presence of Christ in the Eucharist. We're present at Calvary. And one of them, they tell me that St. Francis of Assisi wants simplicity, and that's who we're following. But in your book on page 119, you quote St. Francis of Assisi, and I wanted to use this quote to some of my priest friends 
They're my friends, even though they're not following what the historical teachings of the church are on, but I want to befriend them. I want to give that quote that you have on page 119 to our listeners, and I don't know if we have time at this moment because I think we're going to take a quick break, but here's what I'm going to ask you to do when we come back from the break. Share with what St. Francis of Assisi said about the sacredness of Mass and what we should be doing regarding the preparation for it. Because I think people are going to be shocked to hear St. Francis talk about reverence and the institution of the Mass as being so sacred that we have to have everything just right. And um, you're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Bishop Athanasius Snyder is sharing powerful material about the beauty and splendor of Holy Mass. His book is called The Catholic Mass. Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. Sophia Press is the publisher, one of my good friends. And if you want to get a copy of that book, go there or call me at 877-526-2151. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, Here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. I've been up since four o'clock, pumped about this interview. Why am I pumped about it? Because it's the source and summit of the faith, the Mass. And I wanted to clarify a word called in the incarnation for those who go, what the heck is the incarnation? That's God becoming man. Just a clarification. Bishop Schneider, uh, you have put on page 119 uh, a shining example of zeal for reverence for the Mass and using. St. Francis of Assisi. Can you kind of summarize what he said in your book? Yes, uh, I quoted St. Francis of Assisi because he is in our time often abused and he is styled as a kind of uh, fan of ecology and of climate change and of hippie and so on. But this is completely a distortion of this great saint who was, who was completely Catholic, traditional-minded, when we read his life, his letters. And so, and he had a deep veneration for the Holy Eucharist. And he admonished his brother priests with so uh, burning words as I quoted there, to, to be careful with the body of Christ, to, to have much care when they celebrate the Holy Mass, to be aware of this. And even he admonished to, to choose the best materials for the altar, for the chalice, the vestments. Even he was the saint of the poverty and himself and his, the, his brothers lived in poverty. He nevertheless insisted always St. Francis that for the Lord in the Eucharist, we have to give him the best and even uh, the, the most expensive. And he was in this very, very um, insistent when we read his letters. And uh, we know also his veneration for the word of God. Uh, even he said, when there is, when I will find a paper or 
of the Holy Gospel written and is falling down, I will take, I will kiss the, the earth because there is written the word of God. But even more, he venerated the word of God made flesh and really present in the Eucharist. And therefore we have to imitate St. Francis and to have known what he said. Therefore I quoted him in my book and to, to give the real Francis of Assisi, not a fantastic Francis of Assisi, but therefore I would say St. Francis of Assisi was a true Eucharistic saint. Said, well said. On page 147, you have a chapter called The Mass is Thanksgiving. I mean, to speak, he said, to speak of the Mass without touching on Thanksgiving would certainly be incomplete. So why, Bishop Schneider, why fundamentally do we give thanks in this sacrifice of the Mass? Explain that chapter, a review of it. Yes, because when we acknowledge and know what is the holy sacrifice of Mass. What is the Holy Cross sacrifice? It is, uh, our answer is only to laugh, to fall down to adore and to thank. This is the greatest gift which God ever could do us. So, uh, we read in the, in the scripture, St. Paul says, God did not spare his own son, but had given him for us a sacrifice. And Jesus Christ himself said, so much loved God the world that he gave his own son for, for us. And so he gave, this is a gift of God. The Jesus Christ the incarnated Son of God was given us by the Father to us, poor sinners, to the entire world. This is the greatest gift. The incarnation itself, God became man, is the greatest gift. We, we are singing during Christmas, uh, a child is given to us, puer natus es nobis, datus es nobis in Latin, is given to us. And then ever, ever more, he, he was not content to, uh, to live with us, but he gave the greatest gift he left as his uh, last and greatest gift to us, his own body and blood, which he gave us in the Last Supper, which, with which he already celebrated in a, a sacramental manner, his uh, sacrifice on the cross. And the, our salvation, our redemption, through his death on the cross, through his precious blood, it is the greatest gift that we were redeemed and made children of God. But concretely, this gift is concrete in the immolated and living body and blood of Christ, our Redeemer. 
and this is called properly appropriated by the church with the word thanksgiving in Greek, Eucharistia. Eucharist is literally thanksgiving. And this is, to my opinion, and a very appropriate and exact expression, which is our answer to this immense gift of our redemption and the immolated sacramental body and blood of Christ, which we are called the Eucharistic body or the Eucharistic sacrifice. Mm -hmm. And therefore it is a sacrament which in a most expressive manner expresses also our thanks, gratitude to God, our answer to this immense work and gift of God. Wow, wow and wow. Amen, amen, amen. Bishop Snyder, I can't think of like Eucharistic adoration, you know, where we spend time with our Eucharistic King. What a great thing to do. And again, I want to encourage people to make their holy hour because this next chapter talks about the Mass is listening. Same thing. When you're in the presence of Christ, zip your lip, listen. He will speak to you. So chapter 8 on page 165. Let me see if we have time here. Well, we got two minutes before. I, three minutes. Okay. Um, you point that listening to the voice of God who speaks to men through his revelation is a divine commandment. Uh, you bet it is. But I want to ask you to explain that chapter to us about listening to uh, at Mass. Yes, it is the divine commandment since the beginning. Our Lord commanded Adam and Eve to listen his voice, his commandment. But unfortunately, Adam and Eve, they listened to the devil, to the serpent. And therefore, God always in the Old Testament to the people of Israel, the, the first covenant stressed, Hear, Israel, I am thy Lord, adore me, and have no other gods. And so he stressed the word, listen me, hear me. And then uh, Christ, the Son of God, is called, his name is the Word of God the Logos, the Word of God, and the Word of God became flesh, man. The Word um, requires to listen because if there is Word, uh, the necessary action from us is to listen the Word. And the Word of God is incarnated, Jesus Christ, our Lord, and as the Gospel of St. John in the first chapter says, he, the Word, became flesh and he um, brought us all the message and the, and the teaching of the Father entirely. And God himself commands us in the, during the baptism of our Lord and the transfiguration on the, on the, on the Mount Tabor, that listen, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So this is a command that we have to take very serious. And in the Holy Mass, 
we are listening the word of God and then we are listening to him in the Holy Communion when he is coming to our heart, to our soul. And then, as you mentioned, very good, we have to listen to him when we do adoration, Holy Hour of Eucharistic Adoration, as in the Gospel of John, um, Mary, the sister of Lazarus and Martha, uh, the Lord called her and there is written, the Lord is here and calls you. And Mary was sitting at the feet of the Lord and was listening to him. And so, and also Our Lady, yes. uh, in the gospel, she was listening to the words of God and keeping them in her heart. So it's not only, uh, it's not sufficient to listen physically, bodily. The listening must be in our heart. Amen. Descend, descend to our heart. Amen. And Bishop Schneider, when we come back, I want to talk about the listening also regarding sacred music at Mass. Uh, yeah, what are the qualities? Because we know uh, we've had a lot of challenges with sacred music and vain music getting into the liturgy, which it shouldn't be there. Stay with us, family. You're listening to the Terry and Jesse Show. Bishop Snyder's our guest. His book, The Catholic Mass. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. I hope Bishop Snyder understands my joke. Uh, I just knocked off some push-ups. I'm so excited about what we're talking about, the Mass. I couldn't hold my contentment, so I had to go down and do some push-ups. And it made me feel like, wow, thank you, Jesus. This is so good to help people understand the Mass. So if I'm a little out of breath, it's because I'm just happy to hear this. Bishop Schneider, I have been around, and I know people listening can hear, you know, really bad music in churches today. Like there's a song that's really popular, Jesus is in the bread and the wine. No, he's not! He's under the appearance of bread and wine. And these songs get in, people listen to them, and they don't understand the real presence of Christ when they start hearing music that's heretical. And on page 177, you speak on the Holy Mass in regarding listening uh, about uh, the classic teachings of the teachings of the magisterium of the subject of the music was Pope Pius X. And then right below that, you talk about sacred music like the liturgy has three main qualities, holiness, goodness, and universality of form. Can you explain that? Yes, because the music in the liturgy has only um, a subordinated uh, role, not a prim primary, and it's only a, has a service. And, and the music in the liturgy has to fulfill the aim, which is the aim of the liturgy, the glorification of God. And the liturgy is prayer first. So the music has to express the prayer, the adoration, the glorification of God. And since ever, uh, the church has considered uh, the prayer the first. So even when we are singing in the liturgy, we have to sing the prayer, the word. It is not a 
a pleasure for your for your ears. It is not um, entertainment or concert musical which you can have outside the liturgy. This is not the aim of the liturgy to to uh, an entertainment, and therefore uh, the church repeats that this is sacredness. So the liturgy, the music, the rhythm, all has to be sacred, not uh, the same style as in the world. So it has to inspire adoration, recollection, to be concentrated, united to God, to lift up our soul from the worldly uh, noises, because as uh, we know from the Holy Scripture, when the prophet Elijah was experiencing God, God said he was not in the noise. He was in the silent wind. And so this is a characteristic of so sacredness. And then goodness, it has to have a quality. It has to lift up our minds, our heart. And then universality, it has to be in such a way, the music, that it is common to all the people, all the cultures. So it has not to be a, a typical expression of a music of um, a concrete uh, nation. In Catholic liturgy, it has to be universal. And therefore, the Holy Spirit gave to the church such a expression Really, I consider this was a gift of the Holy Spirit, the Gregorian chant. It was from the first centuries. It came from the synagogue mode of chanting the Psalms. And even our Lord, the apostles, they were chanting the Psalms. And it was the mode of the synagogue. And the first church apostles, they took this, the mode of singing a cappella first without, of course, instruments. And the church kept these and developed these in the, in the time, especially of Gregory the Great, therefore Gregorian chant, Pope Gregory the Great, who lived in the end of the sixth century. He did not invent this, but he regularized it and brought it to a, uh, to a perfection. And therefore it is the proper, music of the Catholic Church, the Latin Roman Church, is the Gregorian chant. And really it is such a music in all aspects, which is nothing worldly there. You can nothing worldly. Amen. It is really so soft and really even heavenly to lift up our hearts, which is the the call in the in the center of the mass, sursum corde, letting lift up your hearts to God, and uh, and therefore, and the Byzantine liturgy uh, has an analogous expression in the great entrance during the offertory when they is sing the so-called cherubim song and hymn, and there are there is this expression, let us forget all worldly preoccupations. 
So this is the, therefore the music sacred has to help us to lift up our hearts, really, our mind, our hearts. And therefore, we have to restore again the Gregorian chant, which the Second Vatican Council also asked to restore and to make it the main uh, uh, significance, Prominent meaning. Place, yep. We yes. have a couple and minutes. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but we have a couple minutes, but I want to make sure. You gave a story that brought me to tears on page 185 regarding a cardinal uh, from Vietnam who has spent solitary confinement 13 years in prison. And this story, I don't know if we can do it in two minutes, Bishop Snyder, but I don't know where you found this story, but wow, it, 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 it communicates what you've just said about the sacredness of music. So I'm just going to set the stage and then you tell us what happened because uh, he was in prison and uh, some of the communist uh, people wanted to understand what was going on with Catholicism. So he was teaching them some Latin. He had a group of 20 uh, secret police studying Latin for, uh, to, with a former catechist in order to be able to understand ecclesial documents. One of the guards belonging to the group asked him, I would, would, would I teach him to sing a Latin song? And you take it from there. What happened? Yes, and it was Cardinal Francis Fantuan uh, who was in the prison and uh, he was singing them uh, some songs in Latin like Ave Maris Stella and Veni Creato Spiritus. And then he asked them, what do you like more? And these soldiers, these pagan Vietnamese soldiers said, we like this one, Veni Creator. And then he was teaching them the Gregorian chant of Veni Creator. And, and then in the morning, every morning, the soldiers, when they were washing, and, and, and so in the morning they were singing in Latin, the Veni Creator. And this is a demonstration that the Gregorian chant is universal. It is really uniting all cultures. And this is so wise by the church that she kept since 2000 years this chant, Gregorian chant or another reverent polyphonic music, which is close as possible to this loss of Gregorian chant. And so we hope that in our day, we, have, we would have good musicians uh, who will restore and the, the, the bishops and the popes yeah. should restore this again and to unite us in our praise, in our adoration and in a deep spiritual supernatural joy in God to chant him this new song together in the company with our angels and with the holy angels. Wow, that story is worth getting the book, folks. And again, this is going to inspire you to fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ and the Holy Eucharist in the Mass. It's called the Catholic Mass, Steps to Restoring the Centrality of God in the Liturgy. Now people are going to say, it sounds like you're a salesman. Hey, you know what? I used to sell real estate on planet Earth. Now I'm selling real estate in heaven. This book will help you get to heaven. I really believe that. Why? Because it teaches you about true worship. And Bishop Schneider, um, I just have to follow up on your chapter 9, The Mass is the Church's Life. That is such a beautiful chapter. You point out that each time and again, you said this at the beginning of the show. I already asked you this, but the fact that that chapter is so rich in showing the beauty of the Mass, I just want to 
end with this 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 last segment here. I want to make sure we get a blessing from you also. But the issue of music and the liturgy, there's an old saying, the way the church worships is the way it, and the way the church worships is the way it teaches. And so it seems to me that the liturgy is should be the number one aspect of catechetical teaching for young people and old people, all of us. This is a lifetime occupation. And what you've done with this book, Bishop Snyder, is you've given us a refresher course on what the church has always taught, perennial teachings of the church here, and it's inspired many because this isn't something we've been hearing for the last 60 years. And I want to thank you for doing this because you're helping so many people. What can people do on, uh, I know you have another website or somebody has some catechetical material. Can I give a plug to them, Bishop Snyder, where, where people can get more material of yours? Yes, there is my website, uh, gloriaday.io. And then I, every third Every 13th of every month, I am giving a catechesis and, and answering questions and answers. So it is supposed, and there are my articles also. You can download and read these. And uh, I can help you to discover the richness of our Catholic faith and uh, the richness of the liturgy. And so to be, to live really with joy and with conviction, our Catholic faith in these difficult times. Amen. How about a blessing for us, please? Benedictio Dei Omnipotentis, Patris et Fili et Spiritus Sancti, Decendo Super Vos et Maria Semper. Amen. Amen. Remember, folks, the Mass is the most important aspect of our faith. It's the source and summit of the Christian life. His book called The Catholic Mass, Sophia Press, you can get it from them. If Jesse was here, I'd ask Jesse, what state should we be living in? He's in Arizona, Bishop Snyder. He's in, uh, in, uh, in Kazakhstan. I'm in California. No, the state of grace. And how do we stay in the state of grace? By availing us to the sacraments, especially if it's penance right now, because this is Lent. If you haven't been to confession in the last 30 days and you're waiting for someone to tell you to go, that's me. Go ahead and go. It just It's good for the soul. And again, Eucharistic adoration. Remember, Our Lady said at Fatima, souls are going to hell because no one's there to pray and make sacrifices. Are we willing to make those sacrifices? Please do. Get to Mass as often as you can. Eucharistic adoration. May God bless you and your family.